The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed to be cured. The day was drawing to a close, and the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away, so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But Jesus said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And Jesus said to his disciples, Make the people sit down in groups of about fifty each. They did so, and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled. What was left over was gathered up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the tragedies of the modern church is that many Catholics do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Uh, statistically, it's actually over, over 50% of Catholics don't believe in the real, percent, real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Many Catholics following the teachings of Protestants have come to believe that the Eucharist, communion, is merely a symbol of the body and blood of Jesus. Back in the 1600s, at the time of Luther and Calvin and the Protestant Reformation, uh, the church held a council, the Council of Trent. It's very important. And uh, one of the sections of the council was on the Eucharist and the church's teachings on the Eucharist. And one of those canons, you can look it up, it's easy to find. Uh, I think there's a website, thecouncilofTrent.com, and you can find all the documents of the council there. One of those canons says, If anyone says that Christ, given in the Eucharist, is eaten spiritually only, and not also sacramentally and really, let him be anathema. That's just fancy church language for saying, let him be cast out. He's not one who believes in the truths that Jesus has taught us, if he doesn't believe that Jesus is really, truly, sacramentally present in the Eucharist. The word that the church uses to describe this change from bread and wine to the body and blood of Christ is transubstantiation. So that's a fancy philosophical word, but you break it down, transubstantiation. So trans, across, like a transatlantic flight, it's a flight across the ocean, sub, underneath, submarine is under the sea. Uh, stancia, to stand, Asian, um, to change. So transubstantiation, so a change across what stands underneath. So what is standing underneath the bread and wine is this is the reality of bread and wine, the form of bread and wine. And so the change at Mass and the consecration is a change from what stands underneath the bread and wine to what stands underneath Christ, the, the form of Jesus Christ. So the accidents, the appearances remain the same. So we still see bread and wine, and yet what, what is 
underneath those appearances is no longer bread and wine. It is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is Christ himself. In the past, I've talked about Eucharistic miracles. Eucharistic miracles are a gift that God has given to the church to remind us of Christ's real presence in the Eucharist and to strengthen our faith. So one miracle from more recent times in the 90s in Argentina has become fairly famous because of its connection with Pope Francis. So in the 90s in Argentina, Buenos Aires, there was a priest who found a consecrated host in a candle holder at the back of church. So a parishioner had pointed this out to me went to the back of the church, he got this desecrated host and he put it in a glass of water to dissolve the host. So when the appearances of bread and water, when the appearances of bread are gone, then what lies underneath Jesus is also gone. So that's how the church um, takes care of a situation like that. So the priest took the, the host, the consecrated host, and put it in a cup of water and put that cup of water with the consecrated host into the tabernacle of the church. And he left it there. And the next time he opened the tabernacle, instead of seeing the appearance of bread in that cup of water, he saw a piece of bloody flesh in that cup of water. So he took pictures of it, sent the pictures to the Archbishop, Jorge Borgoglio, who's now Pope Francis. And Pope Francis told him to just leave the flesh there and we'll see what happens. Three years passed, <laughs> the priest brings it back to the archbishop and says, you know, this piece of flesh is still in my tabernacle. It hasn't decayed. Uh, this is a miracle. And so the archbishop, Pope Francis, um, said, well, I guess we should do some scientific tests on this. So he hired some scientists to do some tests. And... Um, the Argentinian scientists took a small piece of the flesh and they sent it to other scientists in New York City. Um, but they didn't tell them where it came from. They just said, we have this piece of flesh, we want you to examine it. And so this is the testimony of one of the scientists, a doctor from, from New York, Dr. Frederick Zugibe. He said, the analyzed material is a fragment of the heart muscle found in the wall of the left ventricle close to the valves. This muscle is responsible for the contraction of the heart. It should be borne in mind that the left cardiac ventricle pumps blood to all parts of the body. The heart muscle is in an inflammatory condition and contains a large number of white blood cells. This indicates that the heart was alive at the time the sample was taken. It is my contention that the heart was alive since white blood cells die outside a living organism. They require a living organism to sustain them. Thus, their presence indicates that the heart was alive when the sample was taken. What is more, these white blood cells had penetrated the tissue, which further indicates that the heart had been under severe stress, as if the owner had been beaten severely about the chest. End quote. Think about what the doctor is saying. The flesh was taken from the heart of someone who was still alive. Someone who had been severely beaten. How could this be? How could a piece of flesh that has been sitting in a tabernacle for three years have been taken from a living man? 
And if it wasn't taken from a living, if it was, <laughs> if it was a hoax, if it wasn't actually a miracle from Christ, then where did they get this flesh? <laughs> they would have had to cut it out of a living person like outside the doctor's door and give it to him. So either this is a terrifying hoax or this is a miracle that um, in order to help our faith, God had changed, I mean, as he does at every Mass, the Eucharist, the bread and wine, become the body and blood of Christ, substantially, though the appearances of bread and, bread and wine remain. This time, both the substance underneath and the appearances changed into the body and blood of Christ. The Eucharist is really, truly, and substantially the body and blood of Jesus under the appearance of bread and wine. It is not a mere symbol. Given the profound nature of the Eucharist, there are some practical consequences that I have spoken about in the past. One is the preference of the Church that we receive communion directly on our tongue, rather than on our hand, because this shows more reverence for the Eucharist. So it's not mandatory that we receive the Eucharist directly on the tongue, but it's a preference. Now, it used to be mandatory. <laughs> it used to be mandatory for hundreds of years, but recently in the in the 80s, it was changed. So now you have the option, but the preference is still that we would receive communion directly on our tongue. So another practical consequence uh, is that we prepare ourselves spiritually to receive the Eucharist. St. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians that anyone who eats the Eucharist unworthily eats to his own condemnation. So if we are aware of any grave sin in our soul, then we must go to confession before receiving communion in order to be in communion with Christ, we must be forgiven of our sins because our sins are an impediment to communion. So as we celebrate this wonderful feast of the body of Christ, body and blood of Christ, let us remember that Jesus gave us this most holy sacrament so that we may be one with him. That's why the Eucharist is called communion, because through it we enter into communion with God. God became man so that we might become God. Praise to be Jesus Christ.